Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s. And Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey. We created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Hi guys, before we get to today's episode, we want to share how excited we are to offer our community 20% off their first order at Sakara with code XO courageous. We have been big fans of the company for years and the Sakara life organic meal delivery program is based on a whole food plant rich diet that includes fresh nutrient dense and delicious ingredients. It's perfect for those weeks you need a refresh or don't have time to meal prep. They also have a clean boutique, which offers delicious food forward bars, snacks, beauty water drops, and my personal favorite metabolism super powder, which works to fire up your metabolism, stabilize blood sugar, eliminate bloat and decrease puffiness. The naturally rich, low sugar, dark chocolate flavor is perfect for smoothies or simply mixed with coffee and nut milk. I also regularly use the Sakar cookbook full of plant-rich recipes, which you can purchase on their website. Click the link in our show notes to visit sakara.com and use code XO courageous for 20% off your first order. We know you will love it as much as we do. Now onto the episode. Welcome back everyone to another episode of Courageous Wellness. We are so excited to share this conversation with you today with our friend Maya. Um, it's a really great conversation. But before we get into it, um, we're going to do our weekly updates. So, Allie, how are you doing this week? Is there anything you're loving, enjoying, want to share? I'm doing well. Thanks. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think last week we did a little bit of a movement update, um, with our 10,000 steps a day challenge for our community in September. Um, just to, if anybody didn't listen, you know, Erica and I started kind of halfway through August doing this with each other. And so many people were like, Hey, I want to join in. So we're going to, we started it formally in September. So anyone who wants to do this with us is welcome. We only did it for ourselves just to encourage ourselves to move more, get outside more. And it's been wonderful. So we're keeping it going. Um, so keeping that going other than that, what else is going on? Um, yeah, just, you know, catching up on some fun shows. I kind of feel like I didn't watch anything for a long time. And now, um, I've been able to, I feel like there's new, like good content being released. What, um, what are you watching? What are you watching? I'm watching season two of Ted Lasso, which uh, is really fun. If anybody hasn't watched it, I was late to the game on Ted Lasso. Everyone was talking about it and I don't know why, like I tried to watch the first episode and I didn't really get into it. And then I gave it another chance and it is my favorite show, Allie. I, I love it so much. It's just a happy, happy, feel good content show. I love yeah. It. You know, what's interesting too about it is that like, if you watch the first season, it's, you know, he's so aggressively optimistic. It's almost like the character and I'm not going to give too much away. Um, it's almost like difficult because we're not used to, to seeing characters like this, but, um, and the juxtaposition against sort of this like darker British humor, it, it's just really interesting, 
But over time, the evolution of the show and then even the arc in season two so far, it's I haven't gotten through it all, but um, it's just endearing. And yeah. I feel like even though it, it has an edge to it, but it's endearing in a way that um, you almost don't want it to be, but it works on you. Like it's this. Yeah, yeah it's just a really there. There's just nothing else quite like it that I've um seen recently. And I think sometimes with, you know, the way the world is and, and the difficulties and, um, challenges that we see like constantly on a daily basis in the news, it's important to consume something that's also like somewhat positive, positive and heartwarming and, and, um, yeah. And, and endearing, you know, so I've, I've really enjoyed that. How about you? Are you reading anything new or? Yeah. Yeah. I've also been, I've, it's funny. You've gotten back into TV and I'm, I'm always into TV. I'm never out of TV. Um, I've gotten back into reading, which is such an important self-care ritual for me. I really love to escape into a book. And, um, I just started reading again, uh, two books. I just finished. They're both by the same author. I think her name is Taylor Jenkins Reed. And I feel like if you're on Instagram, a lot of people are reading her book. So this, this might be a little basic recommendation, but they're good. I read first the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And the way she writes is so interesting because it's basically like a biography of this fictional movie star from the 1950s, I think is when her heyday was. So she's kind of a mix of all these, um, fabulous women of the past. If you are into film, like I am. And then this, uh, young woman is, chosen to write her biography. So that's what the book is about. And she had seven husbands and she's a recluse. And it's, it's a really, I really enjoyed it. So I would highly recommend it. And then I started, um, Daisy Jones and the six, which I think is her very, that's like her famous, I think she's written three books. The other is Malibu rising, which I'll probably read next, but, um, Daisy Jones and the six was the big one that I think she wrote. I don't think she wrote it first, but it's the one that blew up. I think it's being turned into a TV show, um, from Reese Witherspoon's company, a TV Mm. show or movie. Um, and this one is about a fictional rock band based off of Fleetwood Mac. Um, and so Daisy Jones is kind of like the Stevie Nicks. Um, but it's just the way she writes the whole book, Daisy Jones and the six now is written like an interview. Like, so it's first person from different people. It's so, I just really like the way she writes. I think it's really unique and, um, it's a really fun escape. And so I'm really back into the reading, back into the journaling, back into all the things I know serve me that, you know, fell off the wagon over the summer a little bit, but yeah, back on it. And, um, Maya's episode, which we'll get into, now, um, but right before we go into her intro, Maya just really inspired me as well because she just, she, she's the real deal in wellness and she is just so inspiring and so inspirational. And so I'm so excited for everyone to hear this episode and get all the inspiration too. So, um, without further ado, (laughs) we can jump right into it. And so today on the podcast, as we've mentioned, we have a wonderful conversation with Maya Howard. Maya is a plant-based food blogger and the creator of the popular website and Instagram page, Maya's healthy day. Maya creates delicious plant-based versions of your favorite recipes. And she is also the author of the brand new cookbook, high protein plant-based diet for beginners. Maya educates individuals through her writing and coaching and also works to empower BIPOC communities to embrace wellness through nutrition and self-care. On this episode, we get to know Maya's incredible personal journey from her childhood through to today and hear all about her new book, which you can find the link to purchase in our show notes. We had a great conversation. We really enjoyed it and we hope you do as well. This episode is brought to you by our health coaching subscription service on Patreon. The Courageous Wellness Collective has expanded on Patreon to bring our listeners and clients an all-access accessible platform to educate, inform, and create nutrition and lifestyle habits to meet your personal goals. For $8.99 a month, patrons will receive weekly video content on topics ranging from blood sugar stabilization, gut health, hormone balance, energy, sleep, skin health, how to shop the grocery store, 
pantry staples, and much more. Included, you'll also receive access to monthly virtual webinars, recipes, and special guest content too. With this subscription, you are guaranteed at least four pieces of fresh health coaching content each month. To learn more and become a patron, visit www.patreon.com slash courageous wellness, or check out our show notes. We look forward to welcoming you to our coaching community. Thank you so much, Maya, for joining us today. Um, we're really looking forward to having this conversation with you. So just to get us started, can you share with our listeners a little bit about your your personal journey, your background, and and how that's led you to the to the work that you now do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. First of all, I'm really excited to reconnect with you after we met so long ago. This is really cool to be on this. Um, it's like full circle now. Um, so I always love starting my journey with like my childhood because that really was the spark that ignited me. I had such a unique childhood. Um, I'm African-American as my cultural background. And I grew up in Long Beach, California, and um, I have the middle child of two sisters, and my parents were just like these very unique kind of um, hippie. uh, We just had like this really cute hippie lifestyle um, growing up. So it was like my dad had these long dreadlocks down his back. He was a musician, reggae artist, and really into that. Rastafarian lifestyle and he actually transformed our backyard into a garden so it's like you walk out the back door and you just like walk barefoot into like vegetables and berries and compost bins and so I had all that growing up Um, and my mom she is a a special education teacher Um, so she just has this huge heart and she was um, really into the holistic medicine so it's like whenever we had like a cut or we're sick or anything, she pulled out this big book of natural healing remedies. And so that was the environment that I grew up in. And I thought that was totally normal. You know, my parents were huge into education and we didn't watch a ton of TV, but we were always surrounded by books and experiences and learning and um I grew up in a vegan household. So that's basically where the spark came from. You know, like I didn't know what dairy was until I was a teenager. First time I had an ice cream, I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds, I mean, that sounds almost like this beautiful, it does sound like a beautiful childhood and a beautiful sort of experience to be exposed to those things so early. Um, in, in such a formative time. I'm laughing that like uh, being exposed to the dairy thing is so funny because it reminds me, my partner, his parents similarly were, um, you know, like Vermont hippies and he grew up vegetarian. And I said, you know, when did you, when did that end? And he goes, when I was seven and I went to school and they fed me a hot dog. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So school was a very unique experience coming from that background because like, I, you know, we had carrot sticks and, um, and things like that for snacks. And I was like trying to trade people for Twinkies and they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so, I always had that, like that really strong base of like knowing what health was um, and, and being really connected to the earth and to plants and um, to natural medicine around me. So when Mm -hmm. I stepped out into the world, it was like, and I learned all these new things and what everyone else was doing. I always had that background. Mm -hmm. So when did you decide for yourself to live a plant-based life, right? Like you said, you experimented with the dairy in high school and you had that, was it ever like a conscious decision or was it always just something that you were like, oh, this is just what I'm going to continue to do? It was absolutely a conscious decision. And I'm so glad that you asked that question because that leads into the next phase of my life was, you know, as I entered adulthood and schools and everything, I was exposed to all these different things. And I started making a lot of um, nutrition and uh, lifestyle choices for myself, and they weren't always the best ones. So, you know, when I went off to college, it was like um, I was fueled. Those late night 3 a.m. study sessions were fueled by like entire pizzas and like frozen lasagnas and ice cream. And 
caramel macchiatos, you know, filled with dairy. And um, I think that when kind of food kind of became like a, a coping, you know, a stress relief for me, and I got really unhealthy. You know, I've always lived in a thin body, but you can't always judge someone's health by, you know, their weight or their appearance because internally things were shifting and my body was like, mm, what, what are you doing? <laughs> so it was actually when I was about um, 20 or 21, I was actually working for Target um, as a human resources manager and it was an amazing job. And they actually had a health screening and I got my blood work done at work and I learned that I was pre-diabetic. And that was really scary, you know, um, as someone who, it wasn't so much about the weight for me, it was just scary because in my family, I have um, just history of chronic illness and cancer and heart disease and stroke. You know, there was no uh, quote unquote natural causes of death in my family. So that was a major wake up call that I had that like, okay, this isn't working. It's time to now, you know, go back. To how things were and you know there's all these like documentaries and things out there but I watched Forks Over Knives and that was I remember I was eating salmon while I was watching <laughs> that that um that documentary and I was just like it just hit me you know like the 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 health reasons the animal rights issues everything the lifestyle I lived and I was watching on this you know screen and I was like I want to change my life. <laughs> so that was my turning point. I think, um, well, thank you for sharing that, first of all. And I think, I, I think your story in many ways, at least, you know, the reliance on the um, processed or frozen or, or convenience foods is very relatable um, for many Americans. Um, and I think, you know, there's so many layers to, to why that is in our, in our country. And I'm speaking in our country, it's, it's a bigger issue than that, but speaking sort of like within our country. Um, and so I think, you know, you had this foundation because you came from a family where you had understanding a connection to plants, a connection to the earth. But I think for a lot of people that's been disconnected generationally over and over and over again, and it becomes more and more difficult. So like having this, you know, moment as young as you were in your early, early twenties to be able to have that sort of like aha, and then have a foundation to understand maybe how to reverse that for yourself or how to start to like thrive with more plants in your diet. Um, I think people hit that sometimes later in life and don't have the foundation or the resources to be able to then like do that for themselves. So I think then the work that you've started to do as well, where it's like you have this understanding and this knowledge, how do you now help people who might find themselves in the same position um, start to integrate, say more like something as simple as like adding more plants into their life. Like how do you start to do that when that feels oftentimes inaccessible um, or just like a new world for a lot of folks? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, that is a big one. And that's something that we're all facing. And I think, you know, I'll talk about my, my professional experience that got me started with coaching and working with clients in this sense. Um, but we're so used to things being instant in this society, you know, it's like, okay, I need to change my life and I need to do it now and I need to do it all at once. But that is not, <laughs> that's not really successful. And even though I did have that awakening at 20 and I did, you know, go vegan again overnight, like over the past 10 years, my journey has not been linear. You know, I've still struggled with, um, you know, binge eating the foods that were not great for me and um, going back and forth between different styles of eating and trying the crash diets. So um, I love to approach it from a sense that it's totally understandable and it's relatable, you know, to, to, um, to feel frustrated, you know, with the journey of health transformation. So I'll go back to 
when I started changing my own lifestyle, that was the beginning of my professional work um, as a nutrition and wellness coach. So I started going to the gym and exercising. That is something that I used to be terrified of because I was so thin and I would have people say to me like, what are you doing exercising? You like, you look anorexic and stuff, but like, they didn't know, like my back hurts and my knees hurt and I am pre-diabetic and I don't feel good. And I have a gut underneath this t-shirt. Um, so I got really comfortable in the gym and started working with a personal trainer. And when I was working at Target, I realized like, I need to go back to my roots because there's a lot of people who want to experience this. And you're right. I'm so glad you talked about accessibility and the resources because um, I actually grew up in Inglewood, California. It's a predominantly Black and Hispanic community, um, very humbling community that I grew up in. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of resources in that area. And so I became a personal trainer and a certified nutrition specialist and a yoga teacher. And I started working in gyms and that took me, um, yeah, to working with clients of all different ages. Like I was working with teenagers and I was working with, um, like my youngest client was 12 and my oldest client was say 72. And they had all different body types um, and all different backgrounds, but I started noticing really common things um, between everyone and the desire to change their lives, to eat better, to move better, but it was all masked in this um, disguise of weight loss. So I'm sure you you both as integrative nutritional nutritionists um, know what that's like <laughs> to have people come to you saying like, I just want to lose weight. And you're like, okay, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so much more than just weight. I mean, I have my own journey too. I lost 50 pounds and it was definitely more of a self-love and self-acceptance journey than a weight loss journey. The weight came after the self-love and self-acceptance for me, but it's interesting because even I'd love to explore and unpack to like the binge eating and the transition, right. Of, you know, you have to make this change and, um, you want to make this change and you want to eat a more plant-based life. And you said lots of experimentation on yourself and, but it can be so hard if we have those habits, as you mentioned, right? Like the caramel macchiatos and the pizza and the ice cream, because our body has become addicted to that food. Right. And there is like sense memory in food. And, and even, I know we're going to talk about your, your cookbook in a little bit, but you know, like cultural ties to certain foods as well. Right. Um, and it can be so hard to make that change. And even, you know, for myself and the way I grew up, you know, I was on like free lunch program and that's a whole different conversation, but the foods that I grew up eating were not the most, um, nutritious for my, most of the time, just due to my parents' circumstances when, especially between the ages of like eight and 14. But I think even for myself and, and it's something I still have to accept and, and unpack and move through is my comfort foods. The foods I crave, the emotional foods for me are not always the most beneficial to health. And when I, and I think that's why, like, even for myself, it had to be a self-love self-acceptance journey before ever dealing with the weight. So if you could maybe talk about your own experience with the binge eating and the unpacking, and I guess navigating how to find your now, most of the time, your now healthful place with your plant-based eating. I can definitely touch on that. And I want to bring in something that Ali said earlier was um, the tangible that advice that I would give to people. Um, and it is very much like, don't stress about overhauling your diet and don't stress about taking everything that you love out. Um, I, I would always say like, you know, I just add in, you know, people think vegan food is so scary. It's like, but you don't eat apples, you don't eat fruit. <laughs> and most of the time people just aren't getting enough of that. So it's like, you don't have to stop eating like eggs. If you don't want to just like throw some spinach and some mushrooms and tomatoes in there, you know, like add in 
so that was the tangible advice that I would often start with with clients, just like, just add in more of the good stuff, of the really beneficial stuff. And I love that you use that word, Erica, because it's like, we're so stuck between good and bad and wrong and right and healthy and not. It's like supportive, beneficial. <laughs> um, so there's that. And in regards to the comfort foods and the favorite foods, the unpopular, my unpopular opinion with that is, um, it's not about the food. <laughs> it's not about the meal plan. It's not about the workout plan. It's about, excuse my language, it's about the shit that you're carrying with you. You know, it's the trauma. Um, and trauma doesn't have to be as major as like, say sexual abuse or, or violence or something, but it's like, we all carry these little microaggressions of the messages that we receive from the world that we are not enough, um, that we're not smart enough, that we're not small enough, um, all those messages and things like that, that we're not good enough. And we carry this trauma with us from childhood and adulthood and everything. And it's like, oftentimes how we eat, um, and speaking for myself, particularly, it's a way to cope with that stress, you know, like, food makes us feel good. You know, those chemicals in food that release the dopamine and the serotonin, and it's like, that makes us feel good. So um, the first thing that if people really want to just implement something right away, it's add in those beneficial fruits and vegetables and plants. And then the second thing is like, be courageous and face that, that trauma, face the stuff that you've been carrying with you, the anxiety, the, what's causing you depression and things like that. And honestly, once you get to the root cause of that, then the desire to change your life really comes in because of that self-love aspect. You know, when you realize how much you love yourself, you just operate in a different way in the world. And yeah. it shows through how you feed yourself, how you, how you talk to yourself, how you move your body. That's so a, that's an unpopular opinion that I feel like um, it's hard work. Yeah. I don't, you know, you speaking to that, I think it's, you kind of hit the nail on the head and sometimes we use sort of the external stuff as like, cause it's an easy, tangible thing to like identify as the problem or the obstacle, but it's, it's not always. And, um, you know, even in the sort of in the studies and the coaching uh, work that Erica and I've done, and this might be similar with you as well. It's like, there's this concept of primary food and secondary food. And like the food on our plate is actually the secondary food, but the food, the primary food is like the emotional components of our life. And, um, it's like, you got to deal with the primary food before you like trying to quote unquote, fix the secondary food is not going to address like the primary food, the things that nurture us, like our relationships, like our um, stress levels, like our anything, maybe it's our relationship with our career or relationship with our parents or, you know, whatever that might be, our relationship to self and spirituality, you know, it's different for every person. But so I think, thank you. I don't know that that's an, unpo I mean, maybe it is, but <laughs> not, not for this crowd. <laughs> yes, small. yes, yes. And I'm so happy that this is a podcast because everyone just needs to go back and rewind the last 30 seconds of what you just said. That is my first time hearing that primary versus secondary food. And it just gave me chills. Wow, cool. <laughs> it gave me chills because like, that is, that is it right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's it. And you, you know, you speaking to that, it cuts through a lot of this stuff because we put a lot of power, like as you were explaining it, it's like, oh yeah, a lot of power goes into like the Oreos or whatever, it, whatever your, you know, whoever's choice, like we all have different ones. Um, and then I think, and it's okay. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Like, I think it's okay to have emotional, as Erica was saying, like sense memory from like a joyful place. Like there are so many, you know, cultural aspects to food and family aspects to food, but there's a way to like, maybe keep the joy in that without the dependency on it. I, I don't know. I've never sort of like broken it down in this way before, but since we're going there, I think it's an interesting thing to explore where it's like, I'm thinking to myself, I grew up in an Irish, Italian, New Jersey family. And 
if you asked me like what my last meal would be, it would be a meal. I could instantaneously tell you it's not something I eat not only on a daily basis, it's not something I eat now on a yearly basis, but it's like an everything bagel toasted with egg, cheese, Taylor ham. I haven't, I've been dairy free for 12 years, but like, I know I would add that like American cheese on it, salt, pepper, ketchup, like would be my final meal. If I had that choice, because there's such like an emotional, like connection to that with my childhood. And it's not a part of my life on a regular basis, but there's a joy component to thinking about it in that way. And so I guess what you were saying, Maya, is like, it's not about the food, but how do we keep like the joyful component while detaching from like the perhaps dependency on, on that, you know, external thing? Mm-hmm. I love that you talked about your cultural background. Um, and I think that is, that just really makes me think about soul food. Mm. And this is definitely something that I wanted to touch base on uh, with the current diet culture that we have. You know, we're told that certain foods are healthy and certain foods are not healthy. And um, that, that message has become very whitewashed in a sense yeah. that like, you can only eat the Mediterranean diet, you know, to be healthy. And it's like, that's not true. Um, and it ties into our culture roots so much. It's like telling an Italian to give up like pasta. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Or telling, um, black people to give up, uh, sweet potatoes or, um, or collard greens or things like that. It's like, no. <laughs> so um, there's this big shift that's going on in the nutrition and, and dietetics world, as I'm sure you guys are seeing about like, just bringing more culture and more us into our foods. And I think there's a way to maintain that, um, that joy and that emotional feeling of like, yes, this food feels familiar. This feels good. It feels like a warm hug, you know, when you eat uh, food cooked by like your grandma and stuff. Um, I think there's a way to do that while being conscious about the nutritional value of it. Um, I just think it stops with like demonizing certain foods, really like um, like carbohydrates and, <laughs> and pastas and breads and, um, and the different cultural foods that we have um, and really just embracing those. And one thing that I love to promote is like, just tell people to get in the kitchen and cook. Like, I guess this will lead into my book a little bit, but I put so many of my favorite comfort foods in that book. Like one of my favorite recipes is the loaded nacho fries made with a cashew cheese sauce. And it's like, you can still eat foods like that um, and, and get that joy from them. But like, also when you cook them and you prepare them at home, it's going to have a lot more not only nutritional value and less like salt, less sugar, less saturated fat, but like you're putting love into it. You're putting positive energy into it. You're putting a lot of intention that that food is going to nourish you while you're preparing it and while you're cooking that food. So when it comes to, you know, um, cultural food and still feeling the joy and, and that really good emotion from eating it, I think getting our hands in there and preparing it has a lot to do with maintaining that feeling of joy. Yeah. It's so, you know, I wasn't really a cook (laughs) until this last year. I I still wouldn't call myself a cook. To be honest, Allie is definitely the cook of the two of us. I do love to bake and I'm a pretty good baker and I do make, um, I love, well, cause you know, I think the difference between baking and cooking is I can follow a recipe like perfectly precisely and it'll turn out great. And even maybe make my own a little sometimes, but cooking is so, um, I think that's why it's intimidating is it's almost intuitive. Like I watch Allie cook and she makes me the most delicious food, but she's just like throwing things in a dash of this, this, you know, it's, it's so like creative and intuitive and it's just, you know, it's, it's a skill I work on, but because of the pandemic, it was the first time, you know, I, I had to cook. I, I, I didn't order takeout for, I think four months, you know, like I made everything at home and it was, 
it was, a, it's a different way to nurture yourself to cooking. And I think especially with, you know, my background, and that's why I really don't demonize, um, the way people eat and the way people have choice. I really hate, you know, diet culture and just of good foods and bad foods. And yes, there are more nutritious foods or more beneficial foods, but you know, my mom was a single mom and she had to feed her two kids and that was a lot of fast food and dollar menu McDonald's. And there's, there's a very real, a longer, different conversation, but there's a, there's a very real reason people feed their, their children that food. Um, but because of that, I just, I didn't really cook growing up, you know, and, um, I, I just never really cooked for myself. And so I'm going off on a tangent, but <laughs> to what you're saying is it really taught me like cooking for myself, cooking for my husband. It was such a way of like nurturing and nourishing myself in a way I don't think I ever had before. And it was just really beautiful, but it can be very intimidating to get in the kitchen, especially when you didn't grow up in a kitchen and it can be kind of scary. So I think I actually did and do rely on cookbooks a lot. So again, another little segue into yours, but, um, my favorite cookbooks that I have found, and I'm so excited for yours, which will be out at the time of this episode release. It's available for pre-order at the time of recording. Um, but just that like delicious, comforting, home-cooked meals that don't taste like a replacement to what you actually want. So maybe you can talk to a little bit about how the book came about and what recipes you chose to put in and, and just let's, let's get into the book. (laughs) Absolutely. There is so much that you just said that just excited me. Um, first off, like, I just do want to point, like you made a really good point, which was, um, kind of the intention behind this book is like thinking about like busy working people and like what solutions do we need I grew up in a very similar scenario with you did with your mom you know by the time I was a teenager my parents were divorced and my mom was like the main parent um, and she was working full-time and god bless her soul she went back to college full-time I don't know how she did it with three teenage kids she's superwoman um but she <laughs> we got so tired of it. She used to buy rotisserie chickens from the store all the time. Um, And I feel so bad for complaining about it now, thinking about her workload, but like something that she would always do was like make sides. So she would make like mashed potatoes from scratch or like make a pot of greens or a pot of beans, like to go with that from the side and make cornbread. And so um, I do want to say like for busy people, like don't feel like you have to do it all (laughs) from scratch all of the time. Um, you know, and there's side dishes like rice and beans in the cookbook, like add that, you know, if you need to buy a rotisserie chicken, cause you don't have time, um, do that. <laughs> um, but going back to the book, it is a totally plant-based cookbook because when I went back to my roots, I realized like, this is what I love and this is what I'm here to do. You know, like I don't demonize, um, any certain foods. Um, but this is where I come from. And, and I do think that we need to find more fun, creative, relatable ways to eat plants. So I'm really excited to present this, this cookbook, um, to communities who don't generally see their foods, um, labeled as healthy. Um, there's, you know, I come from a a black African-American background, but, my palate is so multicultural. I love Indian food, Mediterranean food. Um, I love Mexican food so much. So there's like a little bit of everything for somebody in this cookbook because like, it's just, it's just so fun. And I just really wanted to honor all of that. Um, But this book um, was written for busy people who want delicious, nutritionally balanced, familiar plant-based recipes without really having to put too much thought into it. We want to take a quick break from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Milk and Honey. I have been using Milk and Honey's baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. 
This gentle aluminum-free baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to clean aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands and each and every time I was plagued with red itchy bumps under my arms on top of not feeling confident that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only once never gave me those pesky red bumps from their deodorant, but it also passed the smell test, even after an intense spin or hit class. It truly is the best and comes in two scents, lavender tea tree and lemon vanilla. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female founded and funded brand. And in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. Their online boutique also offers clean beauty products from top brands, including Osea Malibu, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, and more. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. Whether you are a Patreon member in our nutrition community or a regular listener of the podcast, you know that Allie and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using Seed for months and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am now devoted to taking Seed every morning before food and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic, is vegan and gluten-free, and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. In addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet, which is pretty important. Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community. If you would like to order Seed Daily Symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use Courageous15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes or the link tree on Instagram. I'd love to just like take a moment and talk about um, a little bit about how this book came about because really the magic in it was creating it. So we met through Blogger um, a few years ago, right? And I've been involved with Blogger for a couple of years now. And I was actually speaking at a conference in, in New York and I met Kim Suarez who is a magical editor at Penguin Random House. And she was there scouting authors. And she was, we, we were just having a random conversation, not even about that, but she was just like, yeah, this is what I'm here for. Like, uh, I guess the event is like so-so. And like, we just got to talking and I started telling her that like, yeah, I do have this like little tiny baby food blog and I love creating plant-based recipes and stuff. And we started talking about, um, our cultural foods and like how we don't really see that represented in the world of health and wellness. So that was like two and a half years ago when we met and we exchanged contact info. And last year during the pandemic, Kim called me and said, Maya, we have this book concept. Do you want to write it? And I said, duh, (laughs) what? Yes. 
So they came up with this concept for this um, about something that's not really out there. And the title of the book is The whole uh, High Protein Plant-Based Diet for Beginners. And I just want to break that down a little bit because that's a mouthful. So we went with a high protein emphasis uh, because oftentimes people who eat a plant-based or vegan diet are like, where do I get my protein from? You know, like eliminating chicken, beef, meat, fish eggs, where the heck do you get your protein from? Um, so that's a huge question that most people have that we answered. The book is also whole food plant-based. So the difference between that and vegan is there's no, um, there's no fake meats. There's no soy, um, other than edamame. Um, there is a reliance on whole plant foods closest to their natural state in nature. Like we've got beans and legumes and grains and fruits and vegetables and dried nuts and seeds and different fat sources to create all of the recipes. So that is a very magical concept that's not really out there. And let me tell you how hard it was to write 80 recipes with that in mind and with beginner cooks in mind and with all of the recipes having to be less than 10 ingredients and created under 45 minutes, it pushed me to my limits <laughs> creating this book. It was, we were fortunate enough to get a sneak peek um, to your book. And I have to say, you know, going through it, I was so impressed. I'm sure it pushed you creatively because as Erica was describing before, you know, creating recipes or cooking in general is a I think a deeply creative process and um you have quite a wide variety as you also mentioned of different like multicultural sort of influenced um cuisines in the book that are covered and I what I also really enjoyed about going through it um was that as you as you mentioned it, you know it, it's geared towards beginners but I think anybody can um, like ingest the information because the way it's presented is very accessible. And I think, like you said, it's not been done before. I've never seen something that breaks down plant protein in that way because I think people have misconceptions about protein because we're so like protein obsessed culturally too. And you can get so much adequate protein also like getting an enormous amount of fiber at the same time um, through these recipes. And, you know, Erica and I love talking about gut health and um, just, you know, the ingredients. It, it's just a way that I think anybody who would see the book, it can really open someone's eyes to A, that it doesn't need to be highly complicated and B, eating whole foods like when you put them together in a certain way, whole, whole food, plant-based foods um, can be absolutely flavorful and absolutely delicious and accessible and doable. And I think sometimes those two things, those concepts don't marry each other. And in your book, I think it was presented in this beautiful marriage of those, of all of those concepts. So Thank you for that. And we're excited for the, we're excited for the hard copies too. And for everybody to see it. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying all of that. And thank you guys for the endorsement. That was amazing. And it was also endorsed by a longtime friend of mine, John Lewis, AKA badass vegan. And he is a huge vegan activist, like freaking loves the animals. Um, just promotes this vegan lifestyle so much. And something that he said in his endorsement, which I hope people really pay attention to is that this book is for everyone. Mm. It's not just for vegans. It's not for just for anyone who wants to eat a strictly plant-based diet. Um, it is for everyone, you know, yeah. it is for you to follow the recipes exactly as they are, because they're amazing. And they're really nutritionally balanced, or for you to do your own thing and add your own like, additional um, proteins. But we wrote this book um, to be to just really take all of the messiness and all of the confusion about like how to eat and just really present it in a way where it feels accessible to mm -hmm everyone, um, no matter your cultural background, no matter your socioeconomic status, um, no matter your food values and beliefs, like it, it really is a great resource for everyone. 
Yeah. And something you mentioned too, I think is important to point out is that, listen, Erica and I are not vegans. We are, we eat plant, what I like to say, like plant forward diets, but we do sometimes incorporate. I was, I was probably for four years at one point, like off all meat, but now a little bit works for me. And I try to source it in a way that, um, is sustainable, but, um, you know, we're not dogmatic as far as our approach to nutrition, but that's what you said. It's like, it is something for everyone and no one's going to argue if you're in the nutrition space, the more plants you have on your plate, the better, right? <laughs> like that's, that works. And, um, but what I wanted, sorry, digress. What I wanted to point out too, is that you mentioned earlier in a lot of different diets or even like ways of eating, especially I think with plant-based sort of like vegan culture, it has been whitewashed in a lot of ways. And what we also have learned through interviews and just our own research is that like there are historically and now, um, major leaders in the plant-based movement that are people of color. And it's not like, it's not a, like a historically like white thing. It's just a part of like the whitewashing of diet culture. And we had, um, a couple years ago now, actually it's so funny. Do you know who Eric Adams is? He most likely is going to be the next mayor of New York city, but mm. he was on the podcast and he went fully plant-based. He's a, he's a Brooklyn borough price president. He's the president of Brooklyn and he went plant-based and he came on to share his personal story. And he was talking about, um, and he reversed like type two diabetes. He was like blind in one eye and his sight came back. I mean, it was like a total transformation. Um, and he was sharing that too, that there was like a preconception about like what you talk about, like you don't need to, whatever culture you come from, you don't need to lose your cultural ties to the foods that you love and have these connections to like more plants on the plate. And he also said something that was really stuck with us too, which I think in a lot of ways you really embody Maya in the way you've discussed just your approach to nutrition in general today. But something that stuck with me and Erica, we bring it up a lot was like that you, when you are a leader, like an author, whatever, an expert in the field, you have to meet people where they are, not where you are. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so a book like this, no matter if you're a, a badass vegan or if you are someone who just wants to add more plants in your life, it's accessible in that way. And it's accessible cross-culturally too. And I think we need more of that in the wellness world to move away from the like highly whitewashed spaces mm -hmm. and diet culture spaces too. I feel like this is a whole nother conversation yeah. between nutrition professionals. Um, but I'm glad that we went there and I'll go there a little bit um, because the world is shifting. You know, when we talk about food, we talk, it's a massive conversation yeah. about like wealth and privilege and access and um, cultural appropriation and whitewashing and colonization, all of that. <laughs> so we could go like take it there. Um, but honestly, I feel like stepping back from food, just on a massive global scale right now, a lot of us are questioning how things have been done. Yeah. And a lot of us, um, people of color are taking a step back and we're like, mm, okay, wow, how have I been, you know, letting this external world that I live in, you know, being a black person in America, like how have I, um, you know, assimilated to this culture? And as someone who unfortunately has lost a lot of ties, you know, to to Africa, um, to where my family is from, um, I'm remembering. And that is a lot of um, the family that I grew up in. And the path that I'm taking now is remembering my ancestral roots. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like kale and quinoa was not invented by white people. Right. <laughs> so you would think it was, but it's like, it's honestly remembering, like, how did our people eat? You know, like they sustain themselves. Um, you know, like our grandparents and great grandparents, so many people live to like age 90 and 100 when they eat the way that their ancestors did. Um, and so a lot of it, when it comes to say soul food is, for example, is like, 
thinking about, you know, soul food is demonized. Like it's this like high fat, high salty thing. But when you think about it, it's like my people brought okra seeds, you know, in their hair on slave ships. And that's how it got to like um, America. And it's like remembering the connection that our people have with the earth and with food. And I think just, it's such a massive conversation about culture and sustainability and being reconnected with nature. (laughs) And that's, that's really what I want to teach is like, it's not this hard thing that we have to struggle to do, like that we have to fight for to incorporate into our lives. Like it's really just surrendering, um, to how, how we're supposed to live, mm-hmm. which is, you know, with not all this divisiveness and yeah. vegan versus not vegan and all the other divisiveness in the world. It's like, it's all love. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope people really feel that from my platform and from my book. Yeah. Well, we do. And we're, we celebrate your book and I'm really excited to also make your recipes. So um, thank you for sharing that. And for just like being, you know, someone with this consciousness in in the wellness, quote unquote, I know I make air quotes and um, (laughs) it's a podcast. We're like the queens of doing that. We're always like air (laughs) quoting. We're like, sorry, you guys can't see this. But, um, you know, it's important to have these conversations, I think especially like Erica and I've talked about it. I think we, it's especially important as we are two white women in the wellness space and <laughs> there are many. Um, but to be able to have these conversations is an important part of this idea of community wellness. Like what does wellness even mean at the end of the day? Right. And if we can't um, a talk about things that, you know, historically, not even just historically, but like are currently fucked up for lack of better words. Sorry, we have an E explicit, Mm -hmm. so that's okay. Um, It's a part of this conversation about the bigger W wellness, you know, and, and community. So um, anyway, we're, we're, we're grateful for the work that you do and, and putting, putting these resources out there. And I'm really grateful for you guys not being afraid to have this conversation. Because, well, you. You, you know, we, we just, we have to have these conversations yeah. and really be real about it um, yeah. and, and at where we've gotten to as a society and just like pause and just stop operating from this place of um, just being against each other. Like it's, it's not fun. <laughs> I think we can all agree. Yes. It is courageous wellness, right? <laughs> we have to be courageous. Um, yeah. It's very, very important. But thank you. Thank you so much. We're so excited for everyone to get their hands on your book. I'm excited. I will be making your recipes. I do eat. I don't, I'm like Ali said, we don't subscribe to one particular diet or lifestyle, but, um, I just don't eat a lot of meat based on preference. Um, and something I've really struggled with when I don't eat meat is like energy. Cause I just haven't known how to combine properly, um, Mm. plant-based foods. Um, so I'm really excited to use your combinations and really be able to educate myself from your cookbook. So I can't wait. I'm so, I'm so excited. And as we begin to wrap up, we always conclude with three wrap up questions and I will start with the first, which is what are some of your self-care practices and self-care non-negotiables in your life? This is a great question. And this is honestly new for me. Um, Non-negotiable is that I am unavailable before 10 a.m. And I have the luxury of doing that because like I work for myself and I work from home, Um, but I am not available before 10 because I I need to wake up. And, you know, we, we think about getting dressed for the day and getting ready for the day. I need to get my energy right. I need to get my spirit right for the day. Cause like, I don't want to walk out the door and like take out something like and project what I'm going through on somebody else and no (laughs) so I need until 10 a.m to get myself right to feed myself to nourish myself um also meditation is a huge self-care non-negotiable for me because I I live with high anxiety you know and it's not just about like like stressful like bad things like getting ready for this podcast, like that could bring me anxiety, things that are exciting, bring anxiety too. So I have to have a grounding practice like throughout the day and just like 
return to that to be my best self. Thank you. Um, well, you are very grounded. So you, whatever you're doing must be working. Um, okay. So our second question that we ask all of our guests is what does being courageous mean to you? To me, being courageous means putting yourself first, um, putting your oxygen mask on first and doing what you need to do to be well. You know, we live in a society that says like, take care of yourself, self-care. But when it comes to actually doing that, when I say, no, I, I'm, I'm taking a mental health day. Uh, you know, we're seeing that with athletes. Like, can you, res- the world doesn't need to learn how to respect that better. And it starts with us having the courage to say no boundaries, self-care. I need to, I need to take care of Maya first before I can get to what you need from me. Yeah, no, I love that. It's, um, I think Danica Brescia talks about like, you have to fill your cup before you can like fill anybody else's, because if your cup is full, other people then are getting the overflow. But if mm. your cup is at the bottom, then where, where are you giving yourself? Where are you giving others? And I just clearly, I really like, um, I like visualization metaphors. <laughs> and so I like, I like thinking of the cup and the overflow. Um, thank you for that. And then the last question is, do you have any books that have been particularly inspirational to you, um, along your journey and it can be on any topic? Yeah, I actually have three ones that I absolutely love. Um, the first one is called more than enough. And it's a book that maybe a lot of people don't know if you're outside of, uh, if you're not a young black woman, to be honest, it's written by Elaine Welteroff, who was previously the editor in chief of Teen Vogue magazine. And she was in charge of, um, of the magazine during that time when it shifted to being about like, what is the best lip gloss you should wear to attract your crush to like, yo, Biden, what are we doing? Like talking about like politics and culture and race and sexuality and going there. So she wrote this incredible book that it is a book that I think every young girl needs to grow up with. That's that title more than enough. She goes through her whole life story and just like really addresses the imposter syndrome um, that we grow up with and just how to just say fuck it and live with your authenticity. So I think that is essential read for girls and women. Um, and two more books, sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, nice. A nutrition book that I have, a plant-based nutrition book, it's called How Not to Die. And that's by um, Dr. Michael Greger. And it is such a thick book. It is like a research novel, but it is amazing. It just really goes into a lot of diet related diseases like diabetes and cancer and um, heart disease and, and brain diseases. And it talks about how um, the food that we eat impacts that. And um, he really shares like some really top foods that he calls it, I think the daily dozen that we should incorporate in. And it's like, are you eating beans every day? Cause yo, like these beans got fiber, they got protein, they got um, minerals, all this and that. So that is a great book for anyone who maybe uh, wants to learn more about the science about food and just, it helps you really get to the why am I eating this way? Um, and the last book that I wanna recommend is one that I am currently working through right now. And it's called How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole LaPera. And she is a holistic psychologist and she has actually created this term. And we talked earlier about getting to the root of your trauma and what is driving you to maybe not take care of yourself as well as you could. And this book goes into like inner child work and healing and teaches you how to have a better relationship with yourself and others. So when we talk about that primary nutrition, if you wanna do the work, pick up that book. (laughs) Thank you. Those are great recommendations. And, um, I saw that Elaine went to Roth. I always like pronounce her last name incorrectly. Well, to Roth. I always add in an N and I'm like, that's not right. (laughs) She has also, if anybody has, um, masterclass, you know, that subscription series, Mm -hmm. she has a new one 
about like creating your dream career. And I keep seeing the ad for it. And I'm like, I want to do that. Cause I was just gifted a subscription. It looks really good too. Uh, I actually watched it. Did you? Was it good? <laughs> I watched it. It was so good. It okay. was like, um, yeah, it was like a sequel to her book. Okay. Um, so I should read the honest- book first and then no, 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 no. Okay. do either one. Do both. Um, okay. You should do both. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would say that masterclass is great for, um, young entrepreneurs and multi-hyphenates, you know, cause yeah. it's such a hard world. I'm sure as you ladies know, yeah. um, and especially like, uh, having the confidence, you know, when going out on your own and going against the grain, against the nine to five, against this financial security lifestyle, like she really breaks down how she did it. And she shared some like really beautiful secrets. That I was like, Oh girl, you sure you want to give that away? Um, but it's really, really valuable information. Cool. Thank you so much. And thank you again for joining us today. Um, If anybody wants to follow you or find you on the internet or order your book, where can they do that? Yeah, I'm mostly showing up on Instagram right now. My handle is at Maya's Healthy Day. Um, That is also the name of my website, mayashealthyday.com. Going through a huge rebranding right now. um, And so I'm really excited to have a new space to bring out some awesome content in many different forms and then definitely check out my book the high protein um plant-based diet for beginners um it's a really great resource and i hope you check it out thank you thank you again thank you guys thanks for tuning in to another episode of courageous wellness tune in every wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.